Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. So welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about uh, who you are to start, and then we'll talk a bit about your business. All right. Well, uh, I am president, and I started, I founded the... uh, McKeda Valuation Department, which is a separate subsidiary, um, doing business valuation, economic damages, consulting in general. Um, I came to Ottawa five and a half years ago after living in California for 16 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I started business valuation back in the early 2000s. And uh, so uh, mo- mo- all my designations yes. are <laughs> American. Okay. I got all the American valuation designations because that's where I started. Okay. Um, I'm a CPA in Canada. I'm also so CPA in the States. Mm. Uh, so I started in public accounting, doing the regular compliance work, accounting, auditing, taxation, and decided that uh, I would go into a special, which I got the opportunity in about 2001. So what brought you to Ottawa? Why? That's a long move it's to a, a long cold move. country. It's a long drive. I'm, I'm Canadian. <laughs> okay. And, and my dad was in the forces, but I consider um, Ottawa home because this is where he retired to. So when I decided to come back, um, I had to decide where, and uh, after a long conversation with family members, we decided I really wasn't from anywhere you know, in, in, in Canada. Uh, having lived uh, quite a long time in the States, even as a kid and then, and then uh, as an adult. And so Ottawa really was the longest place I had lived prior to moving to the States. And I just like Ottawa. It's pretty. It's, it's a great place. Right? It's a nice town. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful nice. town. Yeah. It's one of the th- reasons that kept me here was like, I came from Toronto, and Toronto's yeah. a very busy city. And uh, Ottawa's a great town. It's, it's, it's got government town it's almost like a in its own bubble mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i mean there's lots of opportunity it's clean it's safe uh steady you know, steady yeah it's steady yeah. it's very predictable almost right so yeah i totally agree with why i stayed <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost small would you say small town in a big city it okay. is yeah, places, sort of. yeah. yeah a little bit yeah. yeah a little bit for sure yeah, yeah. there's not the same grind mm-hmm. but uh i find uh there's lots of opportunity you know and and the nice thing is ottawa doesn't get affected by the the, the economy right like That's the rest of the country right. does yeah. so yeah. when yeah. you're employed are usually permanent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Excellent. So talk about your business itself. What, like it's it's probably pretty deep and intense. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I started from scratch five years ago and it's, it's now um, got traction. So it's moving forward you know, quite nicely and how I want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what I do is uh, family law. I do business valuations for family law purposes. I do income available reports for family law purposes. Okay. Um, I do a lot of work as it relates to CRA, Canada Revenue Agency. Okay. My background in the States, I did a lot of valuation work as it relates to the IRS. So I've dealt with government agencies, you know, for the last um, probably 10 years in the United States and then five years here, five and a half years here. So um, their CRA is is uh, seized dollar signs with this transition of wealth between the baby boomers oh, okay. and the next generation. So the you guys, I'm, I'm sure, know about this well, mm-hmm. is that um, there's a lot of non-arms like transactions, reorganizations, um, there's people getting older, they're dying, mm-hmm. so there's a state. Uh, and, and in that, if there is a business, an operating business, then you need evaluation. Mm. Now, let me ask you a quick question on that, Rick. Um, most most accounting firms don't have a, 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 an arm that, yeah. that does business evaluation. That's You're Correct. kind of a unique case, okay. right? There, there's a few. Okay. In, in Ottawa? In Ottawa, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, 
Um, I was surprised when I moved back here because really in the States, unless you're talking about the big four, most our valuation people and consulting people tend to go on their own mm -hmm. or with like people okay. because they kind of have a different expense structure, charge structure. The, the referral sources are different. <clears throat> what I found with McKay Duff, though, they've been, they've been very good at understanding the difference between the traditional accounting firm and specialty work. Right. I do. Okay. And, and there is a big difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. um, okay. So, so let's, let's get into the minutia a little bit here uh, and tell us a little bit about your specialty mm -hmm. as it pertains to the accounting world or, or how it pertains to the divorce world. What, give us, give us some, okay. give us some, some depth here. Okay. So, um, Spouses getting divorced, mm -hmm. go to a lawyer, mm -hmm. uh, one spouse has a business, mm -hmm. maybe both, but let's just go with the one. Yeah. Um, so typically uh, the lawyer that phones me or the lawyer from the other side or the court or all three decide a business valuation needs to be done for the operating company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I get contacted. Right. And um, so we determine um, one of the big things, and I'll be talking about that is, you know, the purpose. People like to say, oh, well, I had a valuation done last year for planning purposes. Mm. Well, never, ever, ever use that for another purpose, okay? okay. Such as divorce. Right. Um, why? And I, know, I probably know <laughs> no. the answer, but or well, I have an idea of why. Because the, the same goes with appraisals, right? right? So a lot of people will say, well, I just had a, I had somebody appraise my house for whatever. Well, every appraisal is different, right? It, Depending it, on the purpose. Purpose is a huge thing. Right. And, Ciari, <laughs> this is one of the things that I've had a lot of work is cleaning up situations where people are trying to clean up situations where people have used a planning valuation for a reorganization as an example you can you can use, you know slash family law if you want right and and what ends up happening is when you're doing it for planning purposes you're doing what ifs sometimes so what if we get this contract what's revenue going to look like okay mm. all right you haven't got the contract you may not ever get the contract but what happens is, and, and we had a case where CRA got a hold of this, mm. did not know, and I did my valuation and CRA would not back down and there was about a, a $5 million difference. So your valuation was based on the, the actual stats? The, the, my valuation was done on historical results that given what was known at the date of the valuation. Right. So what was known or knowable, those okay. are two key words, mm. at the date of valuation, that's what I use. Okay. The and, and I did my valuation in 2016 for a date of 2013. Another valuation was done in 2014, a year after the date of valuation, using projections that were prepared after the date of valuation. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. But they were projections. They were projections. Okay. CRA got a hold of that. Okay. Yeah. And we had this argument about these two keywords in valuation theory. It's very important. Known at the date of valuation or knowable. Hmm. Okay. None of which, in my opinion, applied, and therefore you couldn't use the projections. Hmm. So, if you were to do that in a family law situation, you may have you may overvalue your business, right. which the other side would love. Would love. It. Would love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not so much the spouse that has to pay uh, half of 
the value of that business in, in the, the uh, uh, family asset. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, what I hear a lot of is, is and, that, and that's a great point because sometimes you hear people trying to evaluate their business and you hear all kinds of different ways to do it. Like there's a, a term called EBITDA, I guess. EBITDA, yeah. Yeah, uh, where basically you're, you're taking everything out, taxes and the cost of the operation and stuff like that. And then there's like a multiplier of that is what they would like a rule of thumb is. Well, yeah. It's not quite a rule of thumb. Okay, good. Tell me about that. It's Never use a rule of thumb. <laughs> Never use a rule of thumb. Okay. Rule of thumb Keep is all thumbs out of it. <laughs> no rules of thumb. No, no, uh, uh, and understanding your purpose. Right. For the right. valuation. That's good to know. Uh, there, there's a, and I've written a couple articles on this. So rules of thumb are, are fine if you're using, if, if you have an industry that somehow it, it's it's regulated or something like that where yeah. the rule of thumb really does apply or or as, as an example you are a, um, a franchise owner with say a McDonald's where they pretty much have a formula mm, right, right right as to what the value is going to be sure the formula is going to be okay. right um, so <laughs> <laughs> so don't use EBITDA or, or uh, EBITDA oh rules of thumb sorry so rules of thumb, do not use them because what ends up happening, as an example, use a restaurant. Um, so I'm going to retire and I want to sell my business. And I got no worries because I know Joe out in Canada sold his business for five times EBITDA. Mm. Well, I know my EBITDA is $300,000, or at least I think it is. Right. 1.5 million. I'm laughing. Right. So right. I don't need a valuation. Okay. But you've got to look at the difference between my restaurant and Joe's restaurant. Mm -hmm. Joe's restaurant is right beside Canadian Tire Place. Okay, I see where you go. Okay, yeah. yeah. Joe's restaurant just signed a 10-year lease. Joe's restaurant has parking for 200 people. I mean, mm -hmm. it could be a little bit. Yeah, better. yeah. And, and typically only 150 are used. So you've got growth potential. Right, right. Oh, good point. Okay. Another one. Yeah. Parking's important. Absolutely. You can't find parking. Yeah. Leases. There's a couple old, I don't know if you've heard on the radio, but in Ottawa, there's a bunch of long-term uh, restaurants that had to close because they either couldn't get the lease renewed or the lease or wanted so much money, it just wasn't practical. Right. Oh, okay. That's a good point. And then if you have to leave with a restaurant, how how far can you go where people are going to follow? Right, right, right. And how much goodwill is built is baked Location. into the name? Exactly. You know. Yeah. So you'll have yeah because I mean you'll see some of these mom and pop shops that spend thirty years in business. They do a great job, and then they go to sell it, and the, and the, the whole the whole name just goes right. and it blows right. up. And, and, and plus, they're the ones that work there. Mm -hmm. Right. They're the they they're, are the business. They're they, the face. They are the face. Business. They are the yeah. business. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, Joe's got a uh, the guy in Canada that I'm using as an example has a brand new point of sale system. Right. I've got an old one. Mm. Or even cash only. Or, <laughs> or, or 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 even in the extreme, I'm using the cash register. Right. 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 Yeah. right. Um, I have so you factor all these things yeah. in. Wow, that's amazing. So, so you got to look at how old is the equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been making money, and I've been saying, you know, I, I'm just pulling the money out. I'm not going to spend money on new equipment. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend money on a point of sale. Mm -hmm. um, all these different things. So, when somebody comes in and does a valuation of your restaurant, you start looking at that. Right. You know, what what really are your capital expenditures going to be? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's going to decrease the value relative to Joe. 
right, right. Point now, of sale system. Do you use a do you use a uh, uh, like a like a checklist? Like, do you have like a two hundred checklist uh, in a process that you go through when you're evaluating a business? I have a checklist. I find though that that it becomes fairly um, intimidating if you send something like that to, to a, a business client, owner. To a business yeah. owner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally have a checklist. It's that's it's you know. Yeah, it's a booklet. It's probably you know two hundred questions. Right, right. Yeah. Um, wow, that's cool. Excellent. But, no, I just one of the questions that uh, our producers asked is um, kind of intrigued me, so I wanted to ask that. Um, like, if I if we're if we're divorcing and and in my partner is buying me out of the business. Um, but I didn't work in the business. Like, and I, maybe you can't answer that. Maybe this is like an actual lawyer question. But like, am I, should I not be compensated for some of that value of the business? Is that what you, you don't make those determinations? No. Well, all you do is evaluate the business. So, all you do. Well, sometimes. So <laughs> it's a lot. The flip side of that is sometimes the spouse is compensated and they don't do anything. Right. Right. And, and, and so what I would do is I would add back that to income. Because because if I if somebody's buying it, they wouldn't have to make that expense. Right. So they would have an increased cash flow, EBITDA, whatever right. you wanted to find the economic benefit stream. Right. And therefore you have more cash flow. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. Because the because maybe the owner's using the spouse to just pull out some of the cash. Income splitting. Income splitting, right, mm-hmm. right. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, you you're you're asking so no, another no, thing no. you're you're mentioning though too is I think and correct me if I'm wrong. But by evaluating the business now, it's it's it can then be equalized like other assets within the family within the family's right. uh, total assets. Right. So by doing that, we now have a number that's net of taxes yeah. that can be equalized amongst the other assets within the family. Right. Am I correct? More or less? No. Yeah, it's part. It's part of the uh, property. Right. Dis- uh, net family property. Net family property. Right. Distribute right. or the division of. Right. Right. What do you look at when you're looking at how to value a business, particularly for a divorce case? Like, are like are there certain things that in a, a valuation for CRA you, you look at, but in a divorce case you're going to look at this and this and this instead? Yeah. Um, so in a divorce case, there's some, in, in business valuation, there's something called a standard of value. Um, there's many different standards of value, but the, but the main one is fair market value. And it's a notional hypothetical value for a small business because you don't have a market to go to like you do a public company. Right. Right. So you don't have a constant share price. Right. 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 Um, and you don't know what you're going to get on an open market. So price isn't always what value is, but you have to value it. So we have the concept of fair market value. That takes into account things like uh, discounts. If you own 20% of the business, of a business, all things being equal, that's not, somebody in, in the marketplace is not going to pay pro rata 20%. Right. Because they have no control. And, and there may be a 50 or 70% or 80% owner that calls everything. And all you're really getting is compensation and right. dividends if he, does, he or she decides to give those to you. Right. So you're going to pay a discounted amount, not the 20%. Right. right. So if it's 100000 20% would be $20,000, but really somebody's not going to pay that if they're a minority owner. Let me ask you something. Have you ever done, uh, have you ever been in a situation where, let's say, an investor wanted to buy into a private business? Yep. 
and then you evaluated it so he understood how he or she understood how much the share value was the private company shares yeah for the investor like let's say because i mean like you just made a, a good point about private uh private versus publicly traded companies right mm-hmm. so and i'm just curious i don't know if you do this but like let's say somebody was going to buy into a private company and there's number a certain number of shares within that private company would you evaluate the business so that that investor would understand what the value of that company is yeah a lot of so you get your your financial investors yeah and and um uh, your, your operating investors. You're, uh, you're, you're talking about really a financial, you know, investor. Yeah, yeah. And and we've had that. And and they're, they're actually there's some investors, not necessarily public companies. What they're doing is they're people with money. Mm-hmm. They're really venture capitalists, mm-hmm. and they're going around. And what they're trying to do is buy up small businesses. Mm-hmm. Some of them throughout the country. They start with one province and they go across mm-hmm. it. And what they try to do is they try to buy this up, wrap it up. And then they go public, oh, and they and they, they pick up all these different businesses, and and there's some of them are you know five to ten million dollars in sales. We're not talking hundred million dollar business, but yeah. what they do is they pick an industry, right? As an example, hmm. um, whatever that might be, and and they just literally go across hmm. the country. It's interesting. There's actually been some foreign investors that we found doing that too. Okay. Again, not public companies, but big companies that you know want to get into the market. Yeah. Um, they will see that's where that's a different type of standard of value fair market value is is a standalone value Mm. a lot of these buyers that you're talking about there there may be really an investment value so they're going to pay a premium Mm. because they want it for a particular purpose might be uh, a buyer may decide that that there is uh, synergies mm-hmm. within the company that is mm-hmm. like if you combine the two of them mm-hmm. that make it more valuable mm-hmm. than a, a, a standalone company valued for just hypothetical purposes like family law. Mm-hmm. Right. So I digress there a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so, do, so <laughs> I bring us track. back on Brings track. Back to so like uh, you know um, somebody you know starts a business it has you know some intrinsic value you know and then then that person gets married yeah okay and that person divorces right is there some value to the fact that the business was already built and established prior to the marriage yeah and then and then how do you value that yeah. like I actually just you... did a valuation for a guy that's getting married okay oh so, see, so that's wise, smart I like wise. that and you know what I Kinda think, like I think people have learned from my generation this guy's 28 he's done really well a real go-getter real entrepreneur and and he's probably got about a million and a half dollar business right. two million now so he you know he's established a value right. uh, you know there's all sorts of legal things that you could be argued I, I'm not going to you know talk about prenups and sure but but he's done that right and so the idea is theoretically is that in the event if, mm-hmm. if we've established a value at T equals one yes okay yeah then they get separated right mm-hmm. and typically the valuation is going to be done as of the date of separation Correct. yes so what really goes into the family property is the difference in value between day of separation and T. Yeah. T equals day one day, yeah. say day of marriage. Day, day of yeah. marriage. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. brilliant. Yeah, you know, no, I, it makes I, perfect sense. I would almost, right? I would almost get, I would almost argue that like anyone who's getting married who has substantial assets mm-hmm. should should crystallize the value of their assets before they get married. So let's say you take a, a family member who has two or three rental properties. Mm-hmm. They should find out what those properties are worth on the day that they get married. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like that you're kind of like planning for the worst, but I mean, 
That's where a lot of the trust problems. will verify, right? Ronald yeah. Reagan, <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? I mean, we are talking divorce net, and what are the stats? Yeah. You know, the stats. How many yeah. people? How many marriages end? And I hate, you know, I don't like. We talked about this being a bit cynical there the other day about you hear all these people getting married, and you know, we the stats say that how many? Fifty percent. About forty-eight percent now. Yeah. End in divorce. First time marriages. So yeah. it's so even higher for second time, isn't it? It's higher for second time. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. You know, so these are very, very valid, valid questions, right? I, yeah. I don't think that, uh, and valid ways to do it. So, when you talk about doing evaluations, are, are, is there like a threshold of when it's not really financially um, worth it to have somebody come in and do it, uh, to do an evaluation on your business? Like, there's got to be some kind of, yeah. you know, million dollars, whatever. Well, a business valuation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for somebody to come in and do a business. So, I guess a real simple example would be if if a corporation which is really a holding company. Right. Owns real property, and that's really all it owns. Okay. Real property, cash. Sure, rent, yeah. You know, that sort of thing, accounts payable, shareholder loan, and, and that's it. So so really the, the value of the underlying asset is the value rather than sure. the future economic benefit, sure. the present value, the future economic benefit. Right. Um, so for me to do any sort of valuation, um, you know, I do do them. Okay. But but the big um, uh, the professional that really needs to get involved is the real property appraisers. Right. Yes. If it's a building, you know, that's a totally different right. um, uh, specialty than what I do. Um, so at most, what I would do really is is I would calculate the inherent tax between the fair market value mm. and the adjusted cost base, which CRA and valuation theory allow you to reduce the value of the asset by that. It's got many names, built-in capital gain tax, right. trapped-in capital gain tax. Right. Um, so the case being that if I sold all this property, there's right. going to be a capital gain. Right. If we're dividing those assets up, that capital gain, if I'm absorbing the business, then the, that capital gain has to be even, evenly distributed as of what that capital gain would well, be you today. Well, you would reduce the right. value of the net assets right. by that. that capital gain. Okay. And then you would... Split it right, fifty mm-hmm. fifty right. usually. Right. So what happens if you have what happens if you have partners? Mike. Um, like what happens if with a business? Let's say you got like five partners, right? And you're just one of the partners, right? So you would come in and evaluate the business, and then you 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 carve it out as to what that person's number of shares are valued at. Yeah. So so typically. Um, yeah, really, like a divorce. Yeah, yeah I'm going through divorce, I'm, and there's I'm five, one of us five partners. Yeah, five so you own twenty percent. Right. Yeah, the minority interest. Right. right. So typically, the courts. Fair market value would take that into account and say there's a discount mm-hmm. for for lack of control. Right, because okay. you're not you don't steer your own ship in that regard. Right, you've got okay. whatever the percentages are, but you sure. say you're a minority shareholder, right. you're ten or whatever percent. You got all these other partners. Right. So that so in fair uh, family law, they go by the standard value called fair value, and it's really a legal term. It's not really defined um, in in family law. What the court tries to do is be fair and equitable. That's the overriding mm-hmm. objective. So typically it's fair value. You start at fair market value, like any other valuation, but you don't typically um, you don't typically take a discount for lack of control. There could be circumstances mm-hmm. that you do. Again, the overriding factor, fair and equitable. If the court decided not taking a, a, a discount was for some reason not fair and equitable, a discount would, have, would be taken. But all things being equal, you wouldn't take a discount. Hmm. Okay. 
So have you noticed in your career as a business evaluator the difference between when you started and how many of these evaluations you're doing for people who are divorcing? Has that, has that increased? Um, yeah, 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 it has. And, and, and for CRA purposes. And it really just goes back to what I was saying regarding the the baby boomers. Hmm. There's just simply more people with businesses than there was. Right, right. And there was, mm-hmm. a, yeah, because they, I, you know, when you look back in the 70s and whatnot, right, the, and even the 60s, most people had the job, the job, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think the, the, there's been an evolution in, in the marketplace where more and more people are, are trying to do it on their own, right? Because they see, the challenges with being in a big, in a working for a large company, there's layoffs, there's, you know, there's decreased pension plans, mm-hmm. there's decreased benefit packages, you know, like there's, it's hyper competitive. So I think I, from what I hear is there's a lot of people who have shifted towards being their own boss because they feel they have more control. Mm-hmm. But again, that comes with a challenge where now you've got people who own companies rather than just pension plans mm-hmm. where you can have, you know, um, uh, a pension where there's, there's the, 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 uh, commuted value of the pension mm-hmm. and you have an, uh, and you have an, um, uh, someone that comes in and evaluates the value of that pension. Now you need a business evaluator to come in and evaluate. Cause technically I always say to business owners, your retirement plan is your business. Yes. Most of them. That's yeah. it. You know what I mean? So and, and that goes back to your question about, um, rules of thumb. If that is your mm-hmm. retirement plan and you're basing that on Joe's restaurant in right. Canada, right. that's not the way to go because right. there's an expectation gap, as I call yes. it, mm-hmm. between the, the value and what you expected it to be. Mm-hmm. You probably don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. You want to know that earlier rather than later. Now, when you do when you do an evaluation, does it, is it typically like a package that you offer, or is it usually like is it like an uh, like do you do a fee for service, or it's it's by the hour? Well, what I I try to do um, first of all, it's a range, right? Sure, depending on how in depth that. Yeah, well, is yeah, and, and it's yeah. just pretty hard to to pin down an exact dollar. Sure. Yeah, no, I was We're looking not, for a yeah. dollar. I was just saying, no, no, but, but that's like, so. What we do is is all look at what it is, the type of industry it is, mm-hmm. the type of report. Mm-hmm. There's different levels of assurance. Mm-hmm. The higher the level of assurance, mm-hmm. the more work, the more analysis, the more disclosure, mm-hmm. the more detail of the report, the more money it costs. Right. 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 Um, industry, uh, the more complicated the industry, uh, the more it's going to cost. Right. 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 Restaurant business can be relatively simple because there's in the various databases that mm-hmm. there are for uh, where they've uh, collated the you know, um, selling prices mm-hmm. of small businesses. Um, you, you can get a lot of data points for that. Okay. To see whether your value is reasonable. Hmm. Now, do you ever have you ever been brought in to court as an expert witness? Not here in Canada. Okay. In the U.S., I have. Yeah, and then, uh, but that's something that's really valuable for for lawyers. Correct. To be able to bring somebody in as an expert witness to educate the judge on where these numbers came from. Mm-hmm. Well, really, when we do a valuation report, that's a good point. When we do a valuation report, most of the time you go with the assumption that somehow the, the court is going to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what you're trying to do, because judges are not financial experts, mm-hmm. so what right. you're trying to do is educate your lawyer and the court through your report. Right. And, and so you're considered an expert. So there's, there's, you, you have to be independent. Mm-hmm. It's not as if, you know, your client or the lawyer that, that engaged you can phone you up and say, 
you know, I don't like that value. <laughs> oh, right. You know, so that's, for me, that's just not going to happen. Right. If, if somebody, you know, there's a draft report sent out and somebody says, you know, Rick, you've got an error here, you know, or your assumption is incorrect, and that, and I say, okay, well, yeah, you know what, you're right. That could change the value. Right. So do you work for one of the clients? Like, who do you work for in that case? Because obviously you want to be impartial. I've been here in, in Ottawa, it's the client. It's usually, it's a lot of times the lawyer that will phone you, get a hold of you. But when you send out the engagement letter, typically it's the client themselves. The one that owns the business? Yeah, that yeah. you engage. Do you ever find that the spouse will try to get someone to do it as well because they think oh, yeah. that you're, oh, oh yeah. that happens? Yeah, because they don't believe. They don't believe you. Right. It, it depends on, on the relationship mm-hmm. with the between the spouses. Sure. Mm-hmm. If, if, it's, if it's not a friendly situation, right. typically they're going to each have their own expert. Right. Um, I've worked on, you know, since I've been back here, uh, you know, I think I, I got it because every other valuation person had been oh already uh, conflicted out because it, it's been going on for eight years. Okay. <laughs> so well, and that's things of you know they you, just contest back and right. Forth. The, yeah. the more money involved, yeah. the more mm. uh, if, yeah. The more money involved, the longer it usually drags out, right? Yeah. I want to pick your brain, Rick, uh, before we get going here. Um, biggest mistake people make when it comes to having a business and divorce. Biggest mistake that the business owner makes, in your opinion. Good question. Don't know if I've ever. Uh, well, I guess one would be <laughs> using using another valuation for um, mm. a purpose that that they shouldn't. Usually, if the lawyer knows what they're doing, the lawyer will pick up on that. Right. Um, boy, that that's a tough one. That sounds like a pretty big mistake, though. That's or a huge mistake. Yeah. A pretty big mistake. It's, it's using using an incorrect report. Uh, mm-hmm. For sure. For that purpose. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? That's okay. We'll get a blog done from, from you later on. Yeah. That question. How about, how about um, um, like, like best tip? Best tip that you can give somebody that's going through divorce. Let's say whether, give me one for both. Give me one for the spouse who owns the business and give me one for the spouse that doesn't own the business. Like, mm-hmm. would you have a tip for each side to say, you know, you're going into this, you own a business. Here's a great tip. Um, I, I, I would say that, that, there, there are times where the spouse that owns a business tries to um, hide stuff. I was trying to find the word. Yeah, and 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 you know, I guess cute by half, and 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 ultimately you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Don't hide assets. You know, you, I've seen where there's um, uh, they think that they are going to. Um, reduce the value of the business by that you know they've got um, unfortunately it's usually the husband they've now got a significant other and and they employ them in the business they don't do anything and they're paying them excellent amount of money and net income's lower or they get Mm. father I mean these are all things I've seen right um, to right you know they pay them um, they they start do doing cash. But you can see through that. I can see through that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But do you do you ever go through the process where you would like interview people in the business? Because so let's just say, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, so I, I'm, I'm working. So what I'm trying to do is I, I'm trying to find out about the business. There's, right. There's a qualitative and quantitative aspect. Okay. To the business. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you interview management, and, and the level of detail you go into depends on the type of report, the level of assurance you're providing. Right. Um, but nobody knows their business theoretically better than the business person sure than, than the owner mm-hmm. so you're trying to get insight um, you know the higher level of assurance you're not just talking you don't want to just talk to the business owner you want to talk to management 
because some a lot of times a business owner is a little bit more optimistic, right? And, and maybe not as forthcoming as sure. maybe um, a non-owner manager, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you do try to, and a lot of times they know more about the particular the area that yeah. you're you're concentrating on. Right. right. So yeah. I think we're going to wrap yeah. it there, if yeah. that's okay. Um, we're going to, but I think you bring a huge oh. amount of value and knowledge to the table here. And yeah. I think, uh, I think people need to talk to you. Like, absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm so happy that you're part of our team mm -hmm. at the because like, you're a great resource to have. Well, uh, and, and honestly, like, didn't even know that that was in existence, right? So for those people that are here that are listening, right? Maybe that was something they never thought of either. And Absolutely. You know, and it's just things, value. right? There's value. huge value to 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 our clients. Absolutely fantastic to have you with DivorceNet. So how do they get in, how do they get in touch with you? So tell it, give us some coordinates. So I'm on the K Duff, right? Uh, we're at 141 Laurier Avenue. Okay. Phone number. Uh, my direct line is 613-236-2360. Okay. And uh, email address? It's revans, R-E-V-A-N-S, at mckayduff.com. And you're also on the DivorceNet website. I, there you go. Yeah. And that's the best, yeah. look, best way to, to hook up with you. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank, thank you, you very much, Rick. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. 